of his grace, the, the blood of Christ. So we're going to sing When I See the Blood, number 232. 232. Christ our Redeemer died on the cross, died for the sinner, paid all his due. Spring your soul with the blood of the Lamb, and I will pass, will pass over you.
Lord, we're thankful that he has authored our faith and mm -hmm. that he is finishing it. Mm -hmm. Lord, we ask that as we gather around you that you would give each one of us an utterance mm -hmm. through the Holy Spirit to speak things that are uh, conducive to edification and that uh, this lesson would be profitable to the hearers, mm -hmm. glorifying to you and even to the holy, holy angels who desire to look into these things. We ask that you would be with this meeting now, and in Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. 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 Well, tonight's um, discussion is going to be on the riches of his grace. The text is um, Ephesians 1.7, in whom, talking about Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. So the, the grace of God is an effectual power that is actively at work in saving those who believe. So nothing, nobody would be saved if it had not been for the grace of God. In other words, none of us deserved it, right? We, none of us deserved the favor of God. We had to do something that, to, that God looked at us and said, oh, I... Look at how great that person is. I'll do something for him. It was, for, it was actually, he was looking at a person, but it just wasn't us. <laughs> it was Christ. It was the works of Christ that provoked God to shed or lavish his grace upon us when he took away our sin. Now that's, um, th that, now that's worth talking about. <laughs> so God gives more grace because, well, number one, because we need it, right? It isn't like this is like you, you've got you got enough grace already. You've already and it, he'll just give you a little bit more. You can store it for later. No, when he gives you the grace or any kind of grace, you you need it right at that moment. You need every bit that he gives you. Yeah, he doesn't. Um, even though it's copious at that point in time, you need. He knows what you need, and he supplies an abundance of it. I thought about this, that we all can relate to this. Someone who's rich and has an abundance of resources, that's what they draw from to do what they want to do, right? If you, if you, whatever, however many resources you have, that is the limit of what you can do. But God's abundant in grace. He's, he's, he's rich. He can just do whatever he wants. And the, an interesting thing about this is that God doesn't ever run out of resources. We, it, when we give, if we give, then it depletes our resources. So we can only really give to the measure of the resources we have. I mean, but see, he doesn't run out of it. He just doesn't. Well, God is the ultimate resource. That's right. Amen. Everything owes its existence and continuance to him. Mm-hmm. And so all, all power is his. Yes, amen. Amen. And at this present time, all of his power is devoted to salvation. This is what he's devoted. In other words, he's, he's focusing his grace on a single work. And that's what his son is doing. At his own right hand, he's giving him, gave him all power in heaven and earth to do what? To bring to pass his eternal purpose, which entails take, coming, laying down his life, taking it up again, um, bringing many sons to glory. In, in the ages to come, see, we'll, we'll understand more perfectly all the ramifications of 
of that work and how much the how abundant the grace had to be in order for that work to get done. Now this is just a, a remark that I that I, I I wrote most of this on the way drive back. Uh, it, I was I left a situation that was <coughs> that was very much in need of grace, and and I was writing on this and I just it just hit me it edified me so much to see. This doesn't make any difference what situation you find yourself in. There's an abundance of resources in Christ Jesus. So if you can focus on him rather than on whatever circumstance, that's, that's how this abundance of grace is, is ministered. Yes. It's as we look at him and focus on what he's accomplished, there's not anything that a sinner can do to undo the fact that he sinned. Once you become a sinner, well, now you're in desperate need of God's grace. It, 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 it just, at that moment, you become indebted to God. You've sinned. Well, we don't technically, because it's sin against each other. We, ultimately, we sin against God. And if we do sin against someone, it's, see, that's a sin. It's terrible because you've been made in God's image. So, see, you're, you're sinning against something that um, is, is great. But there's not anything that you can do. So, in a sense... <coughs> We can sum up that everyone, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's, that's a statement that is universal. So a person says, well, but I haven't sinned as much as, well, that's just a misconception. Because um, you probably, just in that statement, it shows you that you've got a problem with pride. You, got to, you don't understand things as they really are. Um, so, uh, you see, the devil, he, he likes to make distinctions based on what other people do, right? Mm -hmm. To where you say, well, it, you know, I'm pretty good, yeah. but that person over there, they got a lot of problems. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's why in, in James there, he talks about looking into the mirror, right? Yeah. The, the, this, this, the, in other words, when you look at Christ or you, you focus on the gospel and you see what God's doing, it will illuminate what's going on in yourself. It will. And that's to lead us to repentance, right? Amen. So just to start the conversation off, if anyone's going to be saved from the wrath to come, they are, they're going to have to come to the knowledge of the truth. The truth is, is that we, we as, as, as man, yeah. are in need of the grace of God. We need Amen. God to extend himself and impart to us something that we don't deserve so that we can live in a manner that he, he'll accept. Yeah. Justin? The wages of sin is death. Yeah, that's right. So if all sinned, then all were dead. Yeah, that's Never, right. Everyone was dead in trespasses and sins. Yes, amen. So how could a dead person uh, point to another dead person and say, I'm, I'm, I'm not as bad as that dead person? Yeah. Um, this dead person that's is right. only a little dead. And yeah. that, that dead person's really dead. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <coughs> well, that kind of defines so what you were talking about Jesus being the head. He's our federal head. But see, he's also our elder brother. Yes. So see, this is personal with Jesus. He yes. laid down his life in order that we might have life. So it's out of order for us to, 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 at any point in time, arrive at a place in our own mind and understanding where we say, well, I've arrived. I don't need Jesus. In other words, you're saying, I don't need Jesus anymore. I don't need any more grace. Uh, I've reached this level of purity to where I'm just, I'm glowing, you know. That's not going to happen. And not yeah. while you're here. Yeah. See, look, 
when you move into your new body and you're with God and he's with you, yeah. I mean, with you, yeah. see, it, you're still going to have to learn some more. You're going to have to see some more. Yeah. His, his wisdom is so far out beyond us, Amen. he has to reveal it, but which is actually pretty exciting when you think about it. But we're not ever going to be satiated to, to the point to where we just sit down and say, okay, I know it all. God is the, is the ultimate. And so he's, his sons, I mean, you would think um, that the father would have more honor than the sons, right? He's the father. The sons wouldn't be there without him. So, see, God's always going to be our father. He's not, it's, just, it's not like there's going to come a time when, when we excel past. No, no. He is, he's God. And, and just think of whatever he has us do in the ages to come. We'll be equipped to do it. We yes. will have been prepared while we're here to yes. do it. So it'll glorify God, and it'll be so enjoyable yes. to use a human conception. It'll be satisfying Amen. to be in God's kingdom and be put to work by God. And, and before salvation came along, nobody even knew what we're talking about tonight. Yeah. No angel could figure this out on his own. They saw Lucifer fall, and what happened? Well, he didn't get grace, that's for sure. He, it was war in heaven, and they were doing battle, and they, they cast him out of heaven. Why? Because no grace was extended yeah. to, to the angels. I mean, think about it. They sinned in the very presence of God. So what? People say, well, well there's, God should have had salvation. Well, what was he going to offer them? What could God offer personalities that already were in his presence and they sinned against this kind of knowledge? Yeah, and so, so they sinned. So what did he do? He summarily cast them down to the earth. Well, and then they even know that the end's coming, right? They, they said, well, are you going to, uh, before the time, have you come to torment us before the time? They know there's a time coming of torment. Yeah. And... There's an, I haven't read anywhere where they said, I'm sorry. See, they're locked up. Jude says they're under chains of darkness. These personalities sin against the living God in his presence. They made a decision to go with God's enemy and, and join his congregation, so to speak. And so in the end, well, there won't be any. God's prepared a place for them, right? There's a lake of fire prepared for the devil and his angels. wasn't prepared for men. So what does God do with men when they, when they fell? He extends to them in the garden. We're seeing the first time in the, in the history of, of, that we know of that God extended grace to someone. And it was to those created in his own image. Yeah, that, as you were talking there, that, that's an interesting, very interesting thought that the angels received no mercy and no grace. Mm -hmm. But people have a hard time understanding what, what grace is, but it is a particular manifestation of a, the beneficial power of God toward the, uh, mankind. And so it, it's actually uh, in, in a respect... God giving of himself mm -hmm. to someone. Right. Now, in order for him to do that, there was something unique about 
the um, man created in God's image and grace mm -hmm. being able to be ministered to men mm -hmm. the, it's the only race that we're that, that we're apprised of that has received that from God but it's a I'm not sure that the others are are able for God to express grace to them right well it, 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 it goes so far to say that now we're like a school for angels they're learning about the grace of God by their observance of him employing that with mankind yeah. they had no idea what, what this was look like until God I mean you yeah. can only imagine mm -hmm. they're they're learning about it but uh -huh. they're not receiving grace. no no they, that's what I'm talking right. about the reception being able to receive right. the grace of God. Right. So, so in the end, when it, when it was all finished, I mean, he says it was finished on the cross, right? It's one of these days he's going to say it's done. The work of salvation will be 100% complete. The children will be gathered home. And it talks about the angels being our brethren. Mm -hmm. See, they will have been caught up to speed, as it were. They're, they're, they're going to join into us whatever work we're going to have. It's going to be accompanied by angels, and we're not going to be frightened of them. <coughs> See, this, this, this is where, why did men, you look in the scriptures, why do men fall down? Because they're glorious. Okay? They're, they're right. They have, they've come from the throne room, and they, so see, men are in, in need of being schooled, made ready to occupy this kind of uh, environment where <laughs> the angels, you look in the book of Revelation, they have no problem at all when God tells them to do something. They're like, could you explain that again? I, I didn't really understand it. They just go and do what he says. They don't, they don't have any problem with that. Uh, but see, this salvation thing, this is a little more complicated. You got a holy God that always does righteousness, and he's dealing with those who have fallen. How is this how is this going to be accomplished to where he isn't himself defiled in, in, in the doing of it? Well, salvation works all those all those all issues out, brother. You were talking about how the uh, God didn't show grace through the angels of sin. Mm -hmm. they, uh, later on in the book of Ephesians, he mm -hmm. talks about that. Mm -hmm. And uh, in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul talks about Verse 2 about the grace of God, the dispensation of the grace of God yes. for the Gentiles. That's right. Uh -huh. and, um, I'm going to read from Ephesians 3, 7 through 11, mm -hmm. talking about this uh, gospel. Mm -hmm. Whereof I was made a minister, mm -hmm. according to the gift of the grace of God, given unto me by the effectual working of his power, mm -hmm. unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, mm -hmm. that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And mm -hmm. to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, mm -hmm. who created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known yes. by the church, mm -hmm. the manifold witness of God. Amen. Amen. According to the eternal purpose which he purposed mm -hmm. in Christ Jesus our Lord. Mm -hmm. So the angels are looking in to see what's going on. That's right. And he's demonstrating it to yeah. the church. Amen. These things that he didn't make known to the uh -huh. angels. That's right. So it wasn't it wasn't divulged to the angels in, in a form of a revelation, but it was in in in, in a working out of it. It, it. God was doing something in salvation. 
he's invested. And Brother Gibbons has uh, been thinking about this, the, the different aspects of the kingdom of God. See, God, God doesn't, he doesn't act just, just to act. He has a purpose. When, when, see, and, and, and it's the working out of his purpose where principalities and powers and, and man, and they, they, they can understand his purpose. Him just saying what it, it, it doesn't accomplish the work. Well, when you see it in the in, it working, like like okay, I put it this way: When do you know for sure that you're saved? I mean, really have a confirmation. It's when you love to do yes. what God says. Yes. See, that, otherwise, how would you know if you say, "Well, I Amen. love God with all my heart," but you know, I just I'm at the bar four four nights a week, and I just can't. You know, I, 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 want, I want to be faithful to my wife, but I just can't seem to do it. That's not the working out of it, see? The working yeah. out of salvation is that you realize a change. You really are changed into the image of Christ, and you want what he wants, and that is your confirmation. God's at work in you. He's doing something, and not only for you, but other people that look at you, and they see, wait a minute, this person's not the same. What is that? That's God glorifying himself in the working out of salvation in you. So you can glorify God just by walking in the spirit, by, by doing the things that he asks you to do. The people that are looking at will say, there's something different about him now. What, what, what happened? Salvation happened. And see, you're not the only ones. We can only see a fraction of what the angels, they've seen it all. They've seen what you were like before. I mean, in it almost in a sense to where if God would have given permission, they'd have just killed you because you were sinning against God. But see, God was merciful. He's working out salvation. Yes? Amen. It says here in First uh, John three fourteen, we know. Yes. We know that we have passed yes. the death and the life. That's right. Because yes. we love the brethren. Uh-huh. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Yes. That's that working out that you're talking about. Amen. 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 So how is it that um, you, you're, you've been sanctified, right? You've been set apart. Well, God's exercising or, or imputing unto you grace. He's given you the resources that you need in order to be sanctified, set apart to do a work. Well, that's, that's fine. To read it in the book is fine. But when you see it, when you realize that I, I'm, this, uh, I'm involved in this, when, when you yourself look into your own, what God's doing in you, it's like a little small picture of what he's doing in salvation. He's bringing many sons to glory. He, and he's doing it by his son, right? Amen. But it's specifically through the blood of his son. See, the blood, uh, the blood of Christ in heaven is, is just as significant today as it was the moment it was shed. Everything revolves around what Jesus did on that cross. Otherwise, God couldn't extend his mercy to anyone. And put it this way, if, if Christ hadn't have died and taken away sin, it would have been wrong for God to excuse, as it were, Adam and Eve. He should, he should have just expelled them right at that moment. But there, see, when they sinned, God was being long-suffering because he already had chosen Christ to come to take away that sin. And, now, and so Christ comes, takes away sin, and now he can extend his mercy to us who are 
2,000 years after. So it all hinges on the blood of Christ, on what he did on that cross. So God can, God can give the kingdom over to him as soon as he sat down, since all power has been given unto me. Why? So he could dispense the grace. See, he is the manager, right? He's managing the kingdom of God. And so as you, there came a, a time when God had determined that you would believe. All right? So how did that happen? He said, well, there's a lot of things on earth that had to happen. There had to have somebody had to come and give you a message. Or you had, you had, how did you believe? Just because I heard that message 20 times. But now, all of a sudden, I just believed it. He was managing the kingdom from on high. And he said, let him hear. Yes. And so what did, what did you do? You heard. Amen. Well, now that was the beginning. But see, yep. principalities and powers in heavenly places, they observe this. And they know the king's, the king's ruling. Amen. He's ruling. He's doing the work. Amen. So ultimately, go ahead. It says faith comes by hearing. Yes, that's right. Hearing the word of God. I always thought that that meant like reading the Bible, the word of God. But, that, but faith comes by hearing it. Hearing the word of God is like the commandment, like let there be light. Uh-huh. There was yeah. a commandment given, let him hear. That, that's how hearing came to you. Not only, you had to have ears to hear, right? Yes. It, 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 so this is something that God manages, but he manages it through his son. He's given him the power. And it's only right because it's his blood that purchased every single person that believes how to... Jesus purchased them with his yes. own blood. Yes. He purchased that person. Amen. And so it's right for him to manage. So in other words, he's, he's the, the shepherd. Well, so, go ahead. Yeah, it says that Jesus said that the Father has given all, all judgment That's unto right. the Amen. Son. That's right. Because he's the Son of Man. That's right. Amen. Amen. That's right. So ultimately, what's Jesus doing? You say, well, what is the ultimate purpose of and it's, it's found in Ephesians 1.10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time, we might gather together in one all things in Christ. Now, this is God's ultimate yes. purpose. Okay, so he's, he, he, they struck up an agreement, speaking as a man. You go down, you lay down your life, and, um, and take it up again, and we'll, we'll bring many sons to glory, right? And we'll gather all things together in one. Now that's quite a work. That, that I mean, I can't even gather all things together for what I do in my little shop. I just it just seems like things yeah. fly apart so easy, you know. And you have to ad hoc, and you have to do this and to get the job done. But Jesus isn't doing any of that. Yeah, he right. when he was here on the earth as a man, walking the shores of Galilee, he did exactly. In fact, it says he he only did the things that that the Father sent him to do, right? Yeah. He only spoke the words that the Father gave him to speak. So, But he's bringing, he's gathering yeah. all things together in one. So it, why? Because ultimately, in the end, he's going to hand it back over to the Father. It's going to be all things gathered together in one, and he'll hand it back to the Father. Then he himself will be made subject to the Father. So that's what our salvation cost ultimately. He is not... In subject, made subject to the Father. Now, um, years ago, I stopped by Julie McCulper's house to see Brother Tim, 
and he had, wasn't home from work yet, and I was talking to her. She was back in the garden, and she was thinking about this verse, that he was, he was going to be made subject to the Father. And she said, you know, that taught me something. She says, because, you know, a woman ought to be in subjection to her own husband. She says, and now, even though I agreed with that, but I had a hard time with it because, you know, in Christ we're neither male nor female. She says, it hit me that subjection isn't a bad thing. Yeah. See, the world teaches that subjection, you have to be in subjection to someone, then you're lower than them. Yeah. But see, that's not what it means. That is not what it means. It means you're in obedience to them. And what does God do? Because he's in subjection to him, he gives him everything. Now, see, this is not the way man is. <laughs> Brother? I think in the Bible, at least in the King James, it uses the word submit. Mm -hmm. There is, there is kind of a derogatory sense mm -hmm. in, in the world, uh -huh. most men, of what that means. But because we're servants, mm -hmm. yeah. when we work as a servant, it's not the obligation, it's because we love the master. Yes. We love the Lord. Yeah. That's right. And that's the same thing as when we submit. Mm -hmm. We submit not because we feel oppressed or in any way. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because we love the Lord. That's right. Amen. That's right. It's a completely different thing. Amen. That's right. Than it is in the world. Yes. Now, I, I don't know. I, I think you probably all identify this. You've had, at some point in time in your life, you've had a master that was overbearing, that just expected more of you than you could give. And it didn't make any difference how hard you worked and how much you tried. You just couldn't satisfy. This is not what. God's not like this. That's right. God's not an austere man. That's right. Okay, he's not. And the, the servant with one talent, he found out, right? Yeah. He, he, if he, so he, he said, you think I'm an austere man? So I'll treat you like if, as if I was an austere man. And that's how, that was his reward. Yeah. But see, God's not like this. God's merciful, and he's long-suffering, and he's been so gracious with us that, um, well, when you see it, he's altogether lovely when you see him as he is. When you can see the Lord and, 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 and understand that he, he gave up his life so we can have life. This is not an overbearing master. This is one that loves you and, and has given himself. That's what it says. Yeah. He loved us and gave himself for us. Yeah. That's what it says. Yeah. And I love that it says it that way because he's... he's, he's He's trying to impact you, not just all of us, although it does impact, but he, this is personal. Jesus died for you. Now, when he, ultimately, he was obeying his father, but it's, this is a scripture. He loved us and gave himself for us. Why? That he might gather all things together in one and then submit it to the father. You see, Jesus is <clears throat> First, he's employed to the Father. But look at how this mercy is streamed to you. It's for you. So he brings it to where you can get, get a hold of it, understand it, so that you will follow the Lamb. And he'll... Well, I can't think of a better way to do that. He's, done, he's just done all things well. So all things are going to be gathered together in one. Now, does that mean he spent all these resources, God's given, given us all things that pertain to life and godliness and we're going to get there and it's going to be like well I gave it all to you so there's nothing left no he's abundant in mercy his bank account speaking as a man never depletes actually this is how God is multiplying remember he multiplied the bread mm -hmm. well he gives you grace and what's, what's the result of it he's 
exceeding rich in Amen. love and mercy and grace. It never depletes. It actually, now you have been brought into the appointment of the king, and everything you produce adds to him. See, this is him working in you. Yep. It's just, people say, well, you can't have something in the world that, like a, uh, an engine that just keeps itself running. Right? Well, they haven't considered the grace of God and the power of God because it, it, well, you can't do better than this power. And it, I'm, I went through these two covenants. We had two covenants, and just to contrast law versus grace, it, well, it's, it's, there's just not a whole lot of comparison. I mean, it, one was you. It was all up to you, right? It was a. It was a. Um, it, it all hinged on what you did. That's what it says. Romans three nineteen. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law. Why that every mouth might be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law. There shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. So there's one, one, one of the covenants, the one that um, remember he gave to um, Moses. Moses was the administrator of the old covenant. He, yeah. he, he ratified it. Right? The people said, shouted, we'll do it. Yeah. Right? He read them what, what you had to do. They said, we'll do it. The only problem was they didn't do it. Yeah. And so... Um, well, then they got they, they got the results of not doing it. In other words, they went home knowing that they were sinners. Yeah. It, it did its work. The law was given for a reason to show the exceeding sin, sinfulness yeah. of sin that it it separated you from God. Well, what? How? How? <laughs> I can't imagine too many people showing up for the service just so they could be reminded that they're sinners. And I mean, but nothing else. That's it. You're, you're a sinner. I'll go home, think about that, come back next time, and we'll just talk about sin some more. And go home. You're just a bunch of sinners, and that's all there. Well, see, but they did it. They were faithful for the most part. But there was a a greater covenant coming. Yeah. Because remember, he's gathering all things together in one. How's he going to do it? Well, first he had to show. He had to reveal that man needed a savior. They, they, they couldn't do it themselves. Well, flesh is kind of obstinate in that area. Yeah. But the new co covenant yeah. is, is, isn't a, uh, it, 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 it's a unilateral covenant. It was made yeah. between God and his Christ. They made a covenant. You go down, die for the sin, their sins, and then I'll impute my righteousness to them based on what you've done. So this covenant had nothing to do with what you do. It yes. had everything to do with what you believe. Amen. That's, how you, that's how you partake of this covenant. You believe the record, right? Amen. So grace and truth, the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And which one would you rather be under? Well, I already know, I already know your answer. <laughs> grace and truth. So God's grace teaches the believer... To trust that Christ has accomplished our salvation when he died on the cross. Not um, that you did a bunch of work. And now because of that, God's going to 
impute his righteousness to you. No, that's just the way it works. The new covenant is a fulfillment of God's eternal purpose. It's what he was working. It's what he was showing. Think of all the things there that that when Moses was standing before him, he says, show me your glory. Remember? Mm -hmm. Show me your glory. And God showed him just just the hinder parts. And it's marvelous. It's wonderful. And yet, this is what was promised under the old covenant, isn't it? Under the old covenant, the promises were, you'll be, you'll be, your fields will produce, you'll, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll have riches, you'll, these things, you'll have good life, you know, you'll be healthy. That was what was promised under the, if you, if you obeyed the law. It was all temporal things. But what the new covenant brings in, it's a, it's a new and a living way. Right? Amen. It was a, a promise of a new heart, Amen. a promise of, of, of new desires. The Old Covenant never promised that you would be one with God. Then I couldn't find it anywhere. But the New Covenant, see, he, he, he said, Jesus said, the Father and the Son will come and make our abode in you. Now that's, that's different than the Old Covenant. Why? Why is that possible? Because we're talking about a member of the Godhead laid down his life. See, this was the purchase was so was so great that this was what it cost. It cost that just redemption through His blood. Now, how would you understand what that even meant without the old covenant? You see, remember when they were leaving Egypt and he 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 told them to take the lamb, bring it into the house, you know, and uh, take care of it, and then. The specifically how he had how they had to kill it and that they, they had to take the door the, the blood and put it on the doorpost and then the death angel would come through and um, everybody that had the blood on the on the doorpost the firstborn would be spared right and that's exactly what happened and so so he's he's kind of like, like trained man and and what all the way from the beginning when they couldn't eat blood the life said the life was in the blood. So there was something unique about the blood because he was teaching man to have a respect for it to later on when he says the blood of Christ. See, that would mean something. It wasn't just man would have an understanding of it. The blood of Christ. I put it like this. Now, maybe you brother will have different ways of saying this. I said the blood of Christ is the precious precious currency that purchased this so great salvation. See, there, there had to be a price. We know this. In other words, God had to be justified in imputing his righteousness to, to those who had sinned. So Jesus comes, the one that always did what the Father wanted, and he laid down his life. And now when you believe that, when you trust in, in that blood, then he imputes to you his own righteousness, and now God himself can move in the house. Redemption. So he bought back what he already owned. Redemption, right? If God was going to save those who were banished from him, he would have to devise means, a way to do it, to where in the end he would be righteous in doing it. And God achieved his purpose. And it was only done, only achieved by the blood of Christ. 
in the Hebrews, and I don't have it written down here, but in Hebrews it says the, the blood of bulls and goats could not take away sin. It's impossible. It had to be the same. It, 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 the man, a man had sinned, and it had to be the blood of a man that would redeem, redeem them. The only problem is that if you died for sin, then you, know, you wouldn't be coming back, right? So Jesus died for our sin. But God. Now, God doesn't only love us. In Ephesians 2, 4, it says, um, in the ages to come, this is why he sent Christ. This is, this is part of that eternal purpose. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness <coughs> towards us through Christ Jesus. So, now, in, the, in the ages to come, when we're there with the Lord, and, and all this, well, it says it won't even come into remembrance, right? But it, it, you say, well, I've had to go through a lot of things today. Well, be of good courage. It won't, that's not, you're not going to focus on that when you're with the Lord in glory. God doesn't only love us, he loves us with a great love. Satan did not know, and, and this is delightful when you think about it. Satan did not know that God is rich in mercy and grace. Now, when he showed up there in the garden, it wasn't to, to promote God's eternal purpose. That isn't why he showed up there. He was trying to bring that purpose down. And yet, what he didn't realize, because what did Satan have to go on? Satan, he had, or Lucifer, had led a rebellion and had taken down a third of the angels, right? I mean, this is this is what he's going to do, and 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 yet God didn't have any mercy, didn't extend any grace. So this part it says that that he this part of God's nature hadn't been revealed yet, and so here, and I've I've thought about this before. He's waiting. God's going to show up. They've sinned, and now God's going to have to. Going to have to judge him. He thought he brought it down, but he didn't know that God was merciful. Go ahead. Brother Robert, the, uh, there's a verse in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 4. It's not possible that the blood of bulls and yes. should take away sin. But we know that the blood of Christ did. Yes. And in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, Says, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, mm -hmm. and silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, yes. but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Yes. That's the most precious Amen. currency there. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. It says that God, who is rich in mercy, right? For his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. Now, that is a love, that's an eternal love. That's talking about this great love. What's, what's the difference there besides just a regular love? This is an eternal love. In other words, he was going to send someone to take away our sins so he could express this love, this great love, and it would be effectual. It, we, we would be able to experience the love of God. Now that's 
That's the, the fullness of that isn't going to be fully understood until the rest of this. He says he's raised us up together, made us sit in heavenly places in Christ. Now that's going on now, right? In other words, you're yeah. tasting of the powers. Of, you're tasting of the love of God right now. You have another, in other words, if you didn't, if God hadn't loved you and left you in your sins, you wouldn't be rejoicing in Christ Jesus and having no confidence in the flesh. But see, this is... You actually are tasting of the powers of the world to come right now. But it's in measure. He says that, this is why. This is why he's wrought salvation. This is why he's given you a first fruit of the Spirit. So that you can, can get ready for what? That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us. So he's, it, it, yes. if you think God's good now, if, you think, if you've seen Something Amen. about God, and it's compelling. Amen. It's compelling you to lay down your life for the brethren, to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. If that's what it's producing in you, it's going to get a lot better. Mm-hmm. One, I guess, just. Um, see, that's why we're able to submit to God when we clearly see His love for us. That verse, um, I'm reminded that we love Him because He first loved us. Yes. Yes. And in Ephesians 4, it talks about. Um, uh-huh. The unity, and I'm seeing also through submitting to one another, it brings a unity with that love. It says, this kind of describes submissiveness with all lowliness and meekness, with long uh-huh. suffering, forbearing one another in love, and endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Uh-huh. And then it goes on to say, there's one body, one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith. One baptism, one God and Father of all. Yes. To just see that submission is bringing us into the love of the Lord and the submission to receive and love yes. each other. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. Thank you. See, it's a joy yes. to submit to a God like this. Yes. See, this isn't a, like, oh, I have to. Well, you do have to. But see, the thing is this, is that he's lavished his mercy and grace on you, and you, you, you can't give it up. You, you love him. And, and so, see, when Jesus stood in the gap for the sin of all humanity and God poured out his great wrath against all sin, this had an effect on God's person. Yeah. He, this wasn't just mechanical. God said, That's well, right. okay, this is the part of the purpose. Now we're going to do this. That's right. Amen. God's not like that. God's, God's real. He's real. He's got a soul. Right? So he said, if you draw back, my soul will have no pleasure in you. <laughs> Okay, he he has a spirit, the Holy Spirit. He yeah. can be he can be grieved. He grieved yeah. So see, the thing is that he he knew this was going to come. Now Jesus in the garden, remember, he's the express image of the Father, right? So now what Jesus is showing us is what God's like. And what did he do in the garden? He says, if there's any way, if it's possible that there be any other way, then remove this cup. What was he telling us? That God, God in heaven, was going to execute his wrath against all sin. Jesus knew it. But see, there wasn't any other way. It wasn't like this was this one way and maybe we can... This was the only way God was going to have to do this. But this, it displeased God. I'm t- speaking as, as it displeased him in that it, it, it wasn't easy for God to, to, to put his wrath on his own son. But... You can see how great God is. His purpose was, it, it was worth the sacrifice. Now, Jesus, 
This wasn't like he didn't go through anything that wasn't absolutely necessary to, to please his father. He took away sin, but it was by the sacrifice of himself. This had to happen. Why? Because Adam knowingly, see, Adam wasn't deceived. The woman was deceived. That's what it says. But the man, okay, he wasn't deceived and he willingly took <coughs> of the fruit and ate of it. And that had to be remedied. And it was remedied by someone, Christ, came to the world and he willingly, purposefully laid down his life in order that we might have life. And he did it <coughs> primarily to please the Father. See, it, so it, we see in the garden, it, it, his, he, was, he was a man. He was a man. But see, he was also the Word that was made flesh. And so that, he, he acted completely in harmony with what his father gave him, but he also expressed the agony that he was going through, that he didn't want to be separated from his father, and yet he submitted. Why? So that we could be gathered together. But he, God, when, at that moment, when Jesus said, it is, it is finished, and he gave up the ghost, the door of God's mercy was swung open. He could be gracious to sinners because his son had taken away sin. <coughs> yes? Everything depends on Jesus. Yes, amen. That's right. We wouldn't be forgiven if it wasn't for no. Jesus. We wouldn't have forgiveness of sins or we wouldn't have redemption or any mm -hmm. of these things. Amen. And, and you mentioned that there was a kindness. Mm-hmm. Ephesians 2, 7, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his grace <coughs> through Christ Amen. Jesus. Mm -hmm. uh, Titus chapter 3 says, verse 4 through 6, after mm -hmm. that the kindness and love of God our Savior towards man appeared mm -hmm. not by works of righteousness which yeah. we have done, but according to his mercy. Say, Amen. That's right. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. If it wasn't for Him, we wouldn't be justified. We That's right. That's right. And in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, later at the end of mm -hmm. verse uh, 32, it says, Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, mm -hmm. forgiving one another, even as God. For Christ's sake, yes. have forgiven you. That's right. If it yeah. wasn't for Christ, we wouldn't be forgiven. That's right. Yeah. Amen. That's right. That's right. So God had to be satisfied with with Jesus. See, and it, it, Isaiah fifty three it teaches us. It shows us how they he didn't understand the ramifications, the full ramifications of what he was saying. It was a revelation. But look at what he said. And, and see, now in Christ you can look back and this, this will do something for you. He shall see the travail of his soul and yeah. shall be satisfied. God looked at the travail of Jesus' soul when he was hanging on the cross and laying down his life. And said the weight of sin was laid on him and he, 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 he bore up under the wrath of God. And God saw it. He saw the travail of the soul. So I want to interject this. He can see the travail of your soul too. Yes. 
When you, when you're, are you battling against sin? When, when, when temptation comes and you start battling it, and, and you, it, it can make you feel like you're all by yourself, but you're not. The Father sees the travail of you. He sees that you don't want to sin. And what does he do? He makes a way of escape. Now, Jesus is the administrator. He knows, I mean, firsthand, right? He knows what it's like. And so he'll open. Well, see, this is the point, it, is that in, in, in the middle of the trial, or, yeah. you know, when you see that way of escape, now, now, a person that's serious, a person that doesn't want to sin at all costs, you'll take advantage of it, right? You'll, you'll run to that, that way of escape. And to, this is really the point. God's proving Amen. to all, everyone looking on, angels, the principalities of power, that salvation works. It really does work. Yes? About this God knowing your travail, it says this in Revelation 2. Two verse nine, mm -hmm. Jesus wrote to the uh, to the church in Smyrna. He said, "I know thy works and tribulation That's and right. poverty. That's right. Yeah. But thou art rich. Yes. And I know of the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. There's a there's a suffering that comes with that as well. So Jesus knows everything that you're going through. Amen. He That's knows, right." He knows you're about the opposition yes, that you face. That's right. He knows about the hardships that you'll face in the just living your body in this life Amen. on earth. Yeah. He knows everything that you have to yes. go through. And, and he's actually not only knows it, but he's working it all together for mm -hmm. your good. That's right. Yeah. He's working all things together for, for the good of those who love God. Yes. Who are called according to the to his purpose. That's good things and it's bad things. That's trial, yeah, that's, that's tribulation, right. mm -hmm. that's sickness, mm -hmm. that's whatever, poverty, whatever you have to go through, it's it's in order. He's working all of these things together for your good. Amen. It, yeah, it says that Jesus learned obedience yes. through the things that he suffered. That's right. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And so, see, God was, God was, he was beholding this, see? So, so now when, when he beholds your diligence, when you press in, even though it doesn't seem like there's a way to press in. But see, he's given more grace, but when you use that grace, it glorifies God. And in, in the heavenly personalities, they don't miss it. They don't miss a thing. So, and, and that helps me. That helps me in the middle of the trial to know that. Amen. To know that heaven's watching. The angels are watching. God's watching. The sun. Right now, presently, is at the right hand of the majesty. He's there, administering the kingdom. So you're not doing this by yourself. You're working out your own salvation, right, with fear and trembling. You're, you're doing that. You're putting your hand to the plow. But it's only effective because God gives more grace. God gives you the power. But how do you get the power? By putting your hand to the plow. Now, how does the man... This, the, the can't walk, walk. Well, he takes up his bed. He, he, wants, he, he does what Jesus says to do, even though it doesn't make any sense. If I've never been able to get up before, but Jesus told me to get up. Now, that makes all the difference in the world. When you know that Christ is in you, it is, he's, he's doing these two things, making you willing in the day of his power and giving you grace to actually do it, 
Well, see, now you'll take up your bed. You'll, you'll believe and take up your bed and walk. Jesus currently is at the right hand of the majesty on high. He's, he, God's given him all power. And so there, there, there's no reason to be, to be filled with despair. I mean, you look out there in the world today, and there could be plenty of reasons to be filled with despair. It just seems like everything's gone insane. He says, don't focus on the things of the world. This, this, it, it, Satan is, is like trying to create a diversion. But the saints of God, you can focus on what Jesus is doing, and it will give you power to be able to. I mean, I'm not saying that we, we don't have to address these things. We're part of this world, right? We're in this world. I guess you should say that better. But we're in the world, but we're not of the world. Yes, go ahead. I'm not sure if I'm tracking with you with your handout, but the fourth paragraph down on page six. Uh-huh. Could you explain a little bit about that? It says that uh, he is not weak over Israel anymore. Okay. When he was there, remember he, he, he triumphal entry and he saw and he wept, right? And he says, How how often I would have gathered you together, but you would not. Okay? Now, what I meant by that, see, this, the conversion of Israel is going to happen, okay, in, in its rightful time, okay? Yes. But, what I meant by that is, see, he, Jesus is, is working salvation, okay? Now, he showed us there that he had compassion on them, right? He, he, he would have, that's what it says, he would have healed them, all right? But they would not.